It's time to eat. Get in my belly! Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. If you're looking for a place to make your online wagers, head to betonline.ag. Use promo code PODCAST1. To get that 50% sign up bonus today, betonline.ag, your online sports book experts. Evan Silva is our expert. At Evan Silva is his Twitter handle. I am Ross Tucker, at Ross Tucker NFL on Twitter and Instagram. Facebook is facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. And Evan, we've got a little bit of an announcement. We're going to make here in a little bit, which is a significant one. It is a big day here on the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Speaking of big day, it's a big day also just because we've got entries that were given out to the season-long redraft league, which is very cool. Two entries today. It'll be two or one every week until it's time to do the draft. It's pretty easy. Any way in which you get creative... And even if creative is just taking advantage of multiple sponsors or rating and reviewing the show multiple places, whatever the case may be, there's lots of ways you can be creative and just let me know about it. Ross at RossTucker.com. We love giving out entries into the season-long league. Today's winners, Justin Christopher and Steve Knoll. Now, one of them sent 12 beers, 12 different IPAs to my address that you can find over at GoBigRecruiting.com. That P.O. box goes to me. 12 different beers, 12 different IPAs that all look delicious. And the other one sent me a betonline.ag screenshot, Bri, where they had bet when they heard me talking about it, they knew they wanted to bet the Saints to win the Super Bowl and betonline.ag, and he had used the promo code PODCAST1 to get the 50% welcome bonus. A lot of the odds, I'm trying, I'll am i go back and read what he wrote, but he was seeing a lot of odds for the Saints 12-1 to 1 to 16-1. to 1. Instead, he put a decent chunk of money down on the Saints at 22 to 1 on betonline.ag after he used the promo code podcast1 22 to 1 and it would have paid 3 or $3300 Bry $3300 we know what happened in the NFC Championship game devastating i'm not telling you which guy is which because i'm pretty sure it's illegal to send beers through the mail across state lines like that. So I'm not going to tell you which person did which. I will just tell you that Steve Knoll and Justin Christopher are the first two entries into the season-long Fantasy Feast League because they both have really cool entries uh, because they really wanted to get into it. So congratulations to both of you guys. You guys know what the deal is. Send me anything. Ross at Ross Tucker. Now, to get into your news, Evan, 
All right, Evan. Well, let's get into it. Uh, you made a couple of different announcements earlier this week that we wanted to also make here on the show. You made them on Twitter at Evan Silva, as I said earlier. But you you have the floor, my man. You made some big announcements this week. Yeah. After 13 years at Roto World, I'm moving on, starting my own website with Adam Levitan, who I worked with for six or seven years um, at Roto World. He went and did his own thing. And uh, after that, and now we're kind of reuniting, we're bringing along with us Pat Thorman, long time of Pro Football Focus, and also Josh Hermsmeyer, at Frisco Josh on Twitter. We've had him on the show numerous times, very much on the cutting edge of uh, data analytics. I know has consulted for some NFL teams. Pat Thorman, what he brings to the table is he's really on the cutting edge of projecting how many snaps an offense is going to play in a particular game and over the course of a season. Teams that run more plays are going to have more opportunities to score more fantasy points. You know, I mean, that's pretty basic, but no one does it as well as Pat Thorman does um, using uh, pro football focus data and pro football reference data. And uh, so we're really excited about the future. As for how that's going to impact Ross and I, um, I mean, I, I'm going to go all in on this new venture, you know. And, and Ross and I have been talking about this for really over a year. And, I mean, Ross gets it. He's an entrepreneur himself. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to finish out the, with the tiers of Evan. We're going to do a couple more shows, and then we're going to jump into the, the tiers of Evan, and then we're going to finish up with the offensive line tiers, which I think will probably be our last show together on the Fantasy Feast. Yeah, so a couple things. Number one, everybody needs to go and check out EstablishTheRun.com because it's awesome. If Evan gets involved in something, you know it's going to be awesome. And if he left Roto World for it, you know it's going to be awesome. Secondly, very much looking forward to crushing the tears of Evan uh, between now and the end of August. And I've already got uh, the next host lined up. I'll announce that at a later date. He is awesome. I mean, really, really good. I'll even let Evan talk about him the day we make the announcement. I'm not saying anybody's Evan, but this guy's pretty darn close. Really looking forward to working with him. Uh, But it's been an unbelievable, I don't even know how many years it's been, Evan, but it's been awesome. I'm very excited for you. Hope you get a million people to read your stuff, to listen to your shows, everything over there, and that you guys uh, have a very successful business at EstablishTheRun.com. And uh, let's enjoy uh, our last, whatever it is, five, six, seven episodes together, okay? Absolutely, man. Thanks so much, Ross. And Ross has helped me so much over the years, and I could not be more appreciative from you know, the, the first time that you gave me a little gig, I think it was on Sirius XM radio. Um, Greg Cosell had kind of left, and you gave me a shot to fill in for him, and I was god-awful. But um, thank you for sticking with me uh, over the years, Ross, and I, I just cannot be more appreciative, man. Well, likewise. You, you, I can't 
couldn't have done this show without you. You've been incredible, and we got a good uh, Tears of Evan 2019 to get into before we probably have to change the name of that for next year, but we got it for this year as well. Speaking of that, we got a great guest today as well. Let's dive into some hardcore football content. Well, as promised, we've got yet another excellent guest this week. It's Marcus Grant from NFL.com, as well as the NFL Fantasy Live podcast, which is really cool. You can follow him on Twitter at Marcus G. What's important there is it's M-A-R-C-A-S-G, M-A-R-C-A-S-G, or go to MarcusGrant.com. Marcus, it's Ross, it's Evan. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, I appreciate you guys giving me the invite. Good to talk to you. Yeah, so Marcus, let me start with this. What what was it like? Did, did you did it bother you, or did you think it was cool having uh, your name spelled the way it was growing up? I'm always fascinated <laughs> by that. Uh, you know what? I don't think I realized it until I got a little bit older, and now I've, I've realized that my parents have doomed me to a lifetime of misspelled mail. Um, so that you know, it's it, it, it's not bad. I, I can say that I've never run into another Marcus spelled this way. So in that in that regard, I'm very unique. Yeah, I like it, man. It, it, it is a way that you, that you can stand out for sure. So, all right, everybody listens to this show, loves fantasy football, they love Evan, and they're always amazed to hear how people got jobs as being fantasy football analysts such as yourself. So what's the background? How'd you get, how'd you get the gig at NFL.com and hosting the NFL Fantasy Football Live podcast? You know, I sort of fell into this gig backwards. Um, I had done radio for a long time, sports radio for a number of years. Um, at one point, my my radio job had sort of dried up, and I was freelance writing. And at the suggestion of a friend and former coworker, uh, I applied really to just a handful of jobs at the NFL. Um, I mean, at that point, this was G 2011. Um, and actually, background, it was during the lockout, uh, you know, when I actually had applied to a bunch of jobs at the NFL, uh, had kind of forgotten about them because months passed. Obviously, the lockout going on, there wasn't too much rush to start hiring people. I had sort of forgotten about things. And out of the blue, got a call from Michael Fabiano over at the NFL asking if I wanted to interview for a gig. Um, you know, at the time, like I said, I was freelance writing and sitting on my couch watching reruns of, of Law & Order SVU, so I was certainly up for it. Uh, and then the day that the lockout ended, I remember turning on ESPN and, and seeing the reports that the lockout was over, that the NFL was ready to get back to business. Uh, a couple hours after that, Fabs calls me and, and tells me I got the job. And so here I am, nearly eight years later, I have been fortunate enough to, to be there, to, to do the podcast, to be on NFL Network occasionally as well. It, it has been a great ride. That's awesome. Uh, you know what's funny? And this is the way it is, Marcus, like when you're on the radio and stuff. You know, whenever I'm on the radio or podcast, people always come up to me with like the things I said that weren't football that stand out to me. You just told a really nice story about how you got the job, and my brain was flashing Law and Order SVU is awesome. Law and Order SVU is awesome. <laughs> it really is funny. That's how people's brains work. It really is. It's like, it's it's hilarious. So 
That's awesome. All right. So I love it. Love getting you on the show. Excited to go on your show in a couple weeks. Maybe we can do some O-line talk. And I know that uh, Evan has a bunch of questions for you, but I want to get started just with quarterbacks because you and I were corresponding off the air and you feel pretty strongly that Andrew Luck should be QB1 this year. I do. I, I think he's the one. And I, I think what's happened is obviously with Patrick Mahomes having a huge year last year, everyone has sort of gravitated toward him as the top quarterback. And look, it's, it's understandable. I mean, the, the guy was phenomenal last year. He is leading what is a very good offense there in Kansas City. But I think, you know, most people also look at it and understand that the, the ability to throw 50 touchdowns in back-to-back seasons it's really difficult, um, you know, and, and the fact that this offense has lost Kareem Hunt, we're still not sure right now what's going to happen with Tyreek Hill this year. You've taken two very big weapons out of that offense. And so, you know, while I still think Mahomes has a great season, that great season might still be might be only be 35 touchdowns, which is a huge drop off from where he was last year. Meanwhile, we saw Andrew Luck come back and play very well. And I think the biggest key is the Colts last year did what they couldn't before. And that was protect Andrew Luck. They did a great job of keeping him upright, keeping him healthy. And I think that's going to pay big dividends this year. Now he's got another year uh, after having come back off the shoulder injuries. Uh, you know, they, they added Devin Funches, which I think is big. They added more speed with Paris Campbell at the wide receiver position to go along with T.Y. Hilton. And, you know, while everybody's going Mahomes, I, you know, we see Aaron Rodgers get picked early, and I think a lot of that is just sort of muscle memory on on that the, the part of fantasy players. Uh, I think Andrew Luck is the guy this year that, that climbs up to that number one spot. Love it, Evan. Have at it. Yeah, you know we we're going to talk. The theme of the outlook for Patrick Mahomes in 2019 is going to be regression, and just how far does he regress? He already began to regress last year. In the first 12 games, he was just sensational. You know, he averaged 327 passing yards per game. He averaged 3.6 all-purpose touchdowns per game. But then if you look at his final six games, including the playoffs, went down to 291 passing yards per game. So he lost about 36 passing yards per game over the the final six. And then he went from 3.6 six all-purpose touchdowns per game to 2.2 all-purpose touchdowns per game. And now the the numbers over the final six games were still really, really good, you know. But now, but, but I think that that might be a more reasonable projection for his 2019 season, especially, you know, without the services of some of his best playmakers. And we don't know how long this Tyreek Hill suspension is going to be. We do know that it's coming. Um, the, the latest kind of reports have been that it's going to be a four-game suspension. But, hey, that's, you know, 25% of the fantasy football season, and it, and it could still be a little bit more. So um, I, I'm with you that I, I'm, I'm looking at different quarterbacks uh, as potentially overtaking him for the number one spot. I have Deshaun Watson as the number one overall fantasy quarterback, and then I have Mahomes, too, and I have Andrew Luck, number three. But I think that I, I think you make really, really good points. The offensive line is so good in Indianapolis. Not only are they returning all five starters from an offensive line that last year allowed the fewest sacks and I think the fewest quarterback hits in the league last year, 
Um, but they're also returning like their top couple of reserves on the offensive line. Um, and then you mentioned how deep they are uh, at the at the skill positions. Yeah, they're they're a really exciting offense for 2019. But what I wanted to start you off with, Marcus, and the hottest button topic in fantasy right now, and I think we 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 you know we start pretty much every guest off with this question. What is your take on Todd Gurley? You know, it's funny because I think I've asked every guest on my podcast that question first, too, because it is kind of the hottest topic in fantasy. Look, like like everybody else, I'm concerned. You know, when we've all heard the reports, we've all heard the rumors, the things about arthritis. We saw we saw the Rams draft Darrell Henderson and wondered what that means for Todd Gurley's future. We saw what happened at the end of last season, you know, in the, in the NFC Championship game and in the Super Bowl when we didn't see a lot of him on the field. So I understand the concern. I think right now, as we talk here in early July, the the Todd Gurley slander maybe has gone a little bit too far. I mean, I was in a mock draft recently where it was a 12-team mock draft. I got Todd Gurley with the 10th pick of the second round. I, I think I think we've gone a little bit overboard with our concern because even with everything going on, he is still the heartbeat of this Rams offense. And maybe he doesn't see as many snaps as he did before. But I think what's important to note is when he is on the field, he is still going to see the ball quite a bit. And so maybe it's not, you know, 22, 23 touches a game. Maybe it's 19 or 20 touches a game. But, you know, as fantasy folks, we look at we look at opportunity and we look at ability. And opportunity is still going to be there for Todd Gurley. And the ability, obviously, is still there. You know, I know we're all worried about injury, but that's a thing that we can't really predict. And so, you know, I, I, I wasn't surprised early on when I saw Gurley dropping into the, the early second round or mid-second round. But now that I'm, I'm doing some of these mock drafts and he's falling to the late second round, I think we've kind of gone a little bit overboard on the insanity, and I'm just wondering whether or not things are going to course correct a little bit once we get to August and September. A guy I've had trouble figuring out, um, and I, I think I'm, I'm leaning toward the negative just because there, there's too much unknown right now. I really want to see him play in the preseason, is Darius Geis of the Redskins. And, you know, the Redskins are obviously in a, in a state of offensive transition I, I would not be surprised if Dwayne Haskins winds up starting, you know, 12-plus games this year, if not all 16. Um, and the backfield seems crowded on paper in Washington. You have Trent Williams kind of um, threatening to hold out potentially. But what, what are your thoughts on Darius Geis, a, a guy that, you know, was drafted in the second round, had a lot of hype coming out of LSU from a talent standpoint. What, what do you think about him? I – well, I, I have always counted myself as a bit of a fantasy skeptic, um, you know, that, that unless, you know, obviously I think there's some issues, there's some, some players that, you know, immediately you can gravitate toward. I mean, I felt that way about Ezekiel Elliott and Saquon Barkley, that these were guys that immediately were going to come in and make an impact with various guys coming off this injury in an offense that, that frankly, I'm sort of avoiding right now for fantasy purposes. I'm with you, Evan, that, that this is one that I'm not really sold on right now. I, I, I need to see what this offense can be. Um, I need to see what he is going to be coming off this injury. I want to see like how many opportunities he's going to get with, as you mentioned, so many other mouths to feed in that backfield. Um, you know, this is one that I think for this year, at least if he blows up, I'm willing to take the L on that one and say that I missed it. But I, I don't know that I want to take this risk just yet because there are so many unknowns in that Washington offense. Yeah, Allen Robinson was a guy who last year, you know, went to the Bears, 
got a big contract, um, was largely disappointing, did have a monster playoff game against the Eagles. Of course, he was going up like against a backup Eagle secondary. Um, but do you think that he can bounce back? Do you think he's – is he a guy that you want to buy this year in Chicago? Allen Robinson. If, he, if I can buy low on him, sure. Um, and I think my, my concerns with Allen Robinson have maybe as much to do with Mitchell Trubisky as, as, it, does, as it does Robinson himself. Um, you know, I, I'm not sold that, that Trubisky is a quarterback that can kind of elevate his receivers to the next level. I think he's a nice player. Uh, I think he can, you know, at times make big plays for this offense, but I'm not sure that, that he's anything more than kind of, you know, right now a middling quarterback. And I, I want to see more from him this year. I think this, in a lot of ways, could be a make-or-break year for Mitchell Trubisky. So until I get that confidence in, in Trubisky that he can help push these wide receivers to a different level, I don't want to spend a whole lot of draft capital on a guy like Allen Robinson, who really to this point had the one really big year in Jacksonville, got hurt, and we haven't really heard from him since then. So, you know, I'm, I'm still I'm just still very cautious about him. OK, fair enough. And, you know, the, the, the Bears, the way that they distributed their passing game last year, it's not like they focused on one guy. You know, they really emphasized getting the ball to a bunch of different guys. And speaking of which, let's stay on the Bears. The Bears backfield is pretty interesting this year. We saw them trade up. For David Montgomery, David Montgomery, Tarek Cohen is coming up. Tariq Cohen is coming off a big season. Uh, they signed Mike Davis to a decent contract. How do you think that that Bears uh, running back stable is going to shake out? Uh, I think it's Montgomery who kind of takes the lead. I think he walks into what had been the Jordan Howard role uh, in that offense. Um, and I think Tariq Cohen. I, I don't know that his role changes a whole lot. I, I wonder where the room is for Mike Davis there. I think that's kind of the question for me is how he fits into this offense. Um, I, I, I still think that, that Tariq Cohen has a role. He's a guy that I've been sort of, you know, not afraid to draft in kind of the mid rounds. Uh, I've been trying to get David Montgomery where I can, although he's becoming a, a much more popular pick, I think in, in some of the earlier rounds as well. So, you know, I, I think there's, there's opportunities for at least two guys if we start to see Mike Davis get more work in there, then I think that collapses everyone's value in that backfield. Yeah, I think that that's a good point. You know, even if it's just Mike Davis stealing five to seven touches per game, one of the things we've talked about a lot on this show is um, when the three-man backfields reduced to two, you know, it, it can be fantasy fireworks, especially in a place like New England. You know, you narrow down the backfield to like Sony Michelle and James White. Both guys are every week starters. You start mixing in, you know, Rex Burkhead is healthy and he's getting, you know, eight to ten touches per game and everyone becomes less reliable. Um, so that that's going to be an interesting um, competition to see play out in training camp. Is Mike Davis going to be a big part of the of the backfield? Speaking on speaking of another backfield that is kind of difficult to gauge right now, it looks like a wide-ranging committee on paper, San Francisco. So we have Jimmy Garoppolo coming back. We have a, a long history, a long track record of success, successful running games from uh, Kyle Shanahan. You know, um, Rich Rebar recently showed that um, just in terms of fantasy points, you know, the 49ers backfield last year was up there with anyone. Unfortunately, it was guys like Jeffrey Wilson, you know, jumping in and, and, and grabbing some of the some of those points. And it, it was never 
you know, especially reliable week to week. And, and we may see something similar play out this year, but we have Tevin Coleman, who they signed to what, a two-year, $10 million deal. Matt Breida coming off a season where he averaged over five yards per carry playing on one leg. Jarek McKinnon, where he didn't even play, coming off the torn ACL. And then guys like Jeffrey Wilson and, you know, Kyle Juszczyk is going to get some playing time in there. Um, but is this a, a backfield that you're willing to invest in right now? You know what? In the last week or so, just reading some reports out of San Francisco has made me a little bit more confident in investing in them because originally, I, you know, I, nobody could tell what was what, you know, with those three guys you mentioned. But you know, the reports have been Matt Mayoko, who has covered this team for years, has started to, you know, believe that on game days, we may only see two of those main three guys active, you know, and the belief, obviously, Tevin Coleman is the guy, as you mentioned, they just brought in who was with Shanahan in Atlanta. Uh, Jarek McKinnon was the guy that they had expected to build around last year before the injury took him out. So, you know, maybe maybe it's Matt Breida who's the odd man out. I think yeah, we'll, we will see. But knowing that potentially only two of those three guys may be on the field on Sundays, I think makes it a little more palatable. You know, I, I, I still can take a shot at Coleman. I still will take some shots at McKinnon. Uh, Rita, I think that Rita last year was everybody's biggest fantasy headache because, you know, when he, he would show up as you know, questionable on the injury report around Wednesday with all these reports that maybe he wouldn't play. So everybody's scrambling, making contingency plans. And all of a sudden, Sunday, he's out on the field and running for, you know, 80, 90 yards and, and messing up everybody's week. So we'll see what happens. But I think knowing that, that maybe not all three of these guys are going to be in the mix makes me feel a little bit better about taking a shot at one of the other two. Yeah, Burrito was an absolute warrior last year. I mean, you know, you want to talk about a dude that it's just it would have taken. He's like Wolverine. I mean, you could not get this dude <laughs> off the field last season um so let's go to uh tight end you know i think that we can all agree that travis kelsey george kittle zach Ertz are at the top of the heap right but then it, it becomes a little bit more difficult to sort out the tight ends in my next tier so i have travis kelsey in the in the in the top tier unto himself I have him like you know in the in the what used to be the Gronk tier, mm-hmm. and but below him I have Kittle and Ertz in the second tier, and then to begin the third tier, well I, I won't say, but in the third tier I have uh, Evan Ingram, Hunter Henry, and OJ Howard. How would you sort out Hunter Henry, Evan Ingram, and OJ Howard? Is there someone that really sticks out to you there? Uh, as maybe a bust or or maybe as a, an obvious breakout candidate? I mean, I guess if I was going to go breakout, I would probably go with, with Hunter Henry because I, I think we all sort of felt like that last year before the injury happened, um, you know, that he was ready to, to do a, some really big things. So I think I'm going to stick with him and hope that the year off hasn't necessarily dulled him uh, in any way. Although I, look, I, I do sort of like O.J. Howard, but I think a lot of that is sort of Bruce Arians' optimism and, and remembering what Bruce Arians did in Arizona a few years ago and hoping he can sort of bring some of that same magic. You know, I look, I love Evan Ingram's talent. I love his ability. I just, you know, I I talked about Mitchell Trubisky and and what he potentially means to the bears offense. I mean, I think at this point it's hard to really get excited about anybody catching passes from Eli Manning uh, because, you know, Eli just doesn't have the arm to get the ball downfield. So now you have a bunch of guys running shallow routes and you're hoping 
that they can pick up yards after the catch. So if anything sort of dampens my enthusiasm for Ingram, it's it's just that I you know it's hard to expect a guy to have to break a bunch of tackles and pick up a ton of yards after the catch in order to be productive on a regular basis. Yeah, the, the more that I look at Evan Ingram, the more that I kind of want to push him down a little bit. I, I really do like his talent, but you have an impending quarterback controversy there, you know, and you have when they make the switch from Eli Manning to Daniel Jones, which I think probably will occur sooner rather than later, you're going to you're gonna go from a guy who's a statue and very willing to check down to a quarterback that averaged almost, you know, in Daniel Jones, averaged almost 40 rushing yards per game at Duke. You know, pretty good athlete, 17 rushing touchdowns and uh, 36 starts. And, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I think that their pass attempts will go down and their, their quarterback rushing attempts will go up when Daniel Jones gets in. And then just the complexion of the Giants' offense, they have a bunch of guys that just work in the middle of the field, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley, you know, those are their pass catchers. They're going to try to be like a chain-moving passing offense. But, you know, I think that they're going to struggle for consistency. And Daniel Jones not, may not be great as a passer initially. I don't think anyone would be surprised by that. A guy that averaged under six and a half yards per pass attempt in his college career. Um Let's talk about, you know, let, let's talk about, I'm sorry to give you all the difficult questions, Marcus, <laughs> <laughs> but we got to talk about this stuff. You know, the, the Eagles offense, you know, it's going to be unbelievable in real life. I, I truly believe that it's almost like they have two offenses. Um, and we talked about this last week uh, with, with a, a guy who won the, the Fantasy Feast League last year, and um, he's was a big Eagles fan. But, man, I mean, is there anyone that you have – conviction about in the Eagles offense for 2019? No. <laughs> I mean, that's, the, that's the short answer. No. Um, you know, I remember when they drafted Miles Sanders, I was sort of excited about it because I, I like his talent and I, I really want to see this guy play, but he is in arguably the most, one of the most crowded backfields in the NFL. So there's, there's no level of confidence I can have in drafting him and knowing I can plug him in on a consistent basis. The wide receivers, kind of the same situation where, uh, you know, they're going to spread the ball around to all these guys. And in some ways, it's, you know, Carson Wentz, yeah, sure, I'm fine. I, I will take a shot at him. But even then, I want to make sure with his injury history that I have kind of another option at quarterback just, just in case. It in some ways reminds me of kind of the Saints from a few years ago when you knew Drew Brees was going to be a, an excellent quarterback option at, at, in fantasy – you just didn't know which one of his receivers to pick because he was so good at spreading the football around where, you know, one week it might be this guy. The other week it might be this guy. Then you have, you know, you'd have your random Devry Henderson week somewhere in there with, with Drew Brees. And I think you're going to kind of experience some of that with his Eagles offense. And so, you know, maybe you take a, a later shot at, at, you know, a guy here or a guy there, but there's nobody in that offense, you know, non-Zach Ertz division that I can feel confident in drafting and plugging in my starting lineup on a weekly basis. I should have asked this follow-up question um, when we were talking about Gurley, but, you know, Daryl Henderson is a dude that, like, he's just so exciting. You know, he's really exciting. He's um, almost 210 pounds. He ran sub-4-5 at the combine. He averaged otherworldly yards per uh, rushing attempt at, uh, at Memphis. I uh, caught a caught a good number of passes. He's going to 
a really good offense, you know, a trustworthy offense. How early are you willing to take Daryl Henderson? Let's say in a 12-team PPR league, which most people play in, or maybe most people still play in 10-teamers, but I mean, in a 10 to 12-team PPR league, how early are you willing to to pull the trigger on Daryl Henderson? Not early enough to get him, apparently. Um, you know, because I, I keep seeing because of the Todd Gurley panic that we talked about. You know, Henderson, I think, is coming off the board. I've seen like the fifth round in some instances, and I just I can't I can't do that. If we're talking, you know, round seven, eight, um, then I think I'm a little more willing to do that. I, I just, you know, I think that everyone is so worried about Gurley getting injured, and again, that's not something we can really predict. Um, and for a handcuff, that's just way too much draft capital to spend. I, if I'm if I'm drafting a guy that early, I want him to have a clear path to getting on the field and getting touches. And right now, we just don't know that to be the case. We're all speculating. We're all kind of, you know, playing off our worst fears uh, and trying to make that move. But if, if, if you're telling me I got to reach into the fifth round to get uh, the backup to a running back who really hasn't come off the field much in his career, uh, I'm going to tell you I can't do that. Yeah, and that's where you're going to have to take him. I mean, I, you know, we're not going to see Todd Gurley play in the preseason. You know, he may not even practice very much in training camp. And, you know, we're, we're probably not going to get a ton of answers on Todd Gurley before the season. And that's only going to elevate Daryl Henderson. Just wait until he breaks like a 70-yard run <laughs> season. You know, he's going to be a third-round pick. I'm telling you. I was in a, a FFPC uh, high-stakes draft um, a couple of weeks ago. And the dude went in like at 4.08. So, um, yeah, so you're going to have to be aggressive to get him, and, and maybe the, the best option is, is, is the best approach is to just kind of stay away. Um, one guy who has not generated very much hype at all, and I'm a little bit surprised by it, is Latavius Murray going to New Orleans. Um, do you think that the, the Saints are just going to lean toward you know, making Alvin Kamara the, the bell cow who he actually was in the first four games of last season. And, you know, that's when the Saints offense was hitting on its most cylinders was when they used Alvin Kamara as a virtual every down back. Then Mark Ingram comes back. And, you know, in the second back half of the season, their offense kind of regressed. There were other reasons for that. But um, how do you, do you see Latavius Murray jumping right into that Mark Ingram, Ingram role and, you know, maybe vulturing goal line carries or just what is your general uh, outlook on Latavius Murray in a really good offense for 2019? You know, it's funny because it's funny you, you asked that question, too, because I hadn't really looked at Latavius Murray until maybe a few days ago. You know, I, I had sort of overlooked him. I pushed him kind of near the bottom of my ranking, just feeling like Alvin Kamara was really just going to eat so much there. And really upon reflection and thinking about it again, like, I, you know, I just don't know that that's going to be the case. And I'm, I'm, I'm starting to, to become a little more bullish on Latavius Murray because, look, I, I, obviously we know what Kamara can do. We know how, how important he is to the Saints offense. But I think sort of like, I think the one thing that he has in common with Todd Gurley is the sense that, you know, the Rams understand they need to keep Gurley fresh in order to make that long run into the postseason to make a, to try and make another Super Bowl. And I think the Saints understand the same thing with Kamara is that they don't want him getting beat up because he means too much to this offense. And if they want to make another run to a, to a Super Bowl this year, they've got to figure out how to keep him fresh over the course of a long season. And I think that's where Latavius Murray comes in. 
maybe he doesn't go one to one in that Mark Ingram role like last year, but I do think he has a role. He do he will have an opportunity to get the football, to get on the field, and I think you're right. I think he'll have an opportunity in short yardage and goal line situations that can help boost his value a little bit. So, uh, like I said, early on I had sort of just dismissed Latavius Murray, and in the last few days I started to kind of rethink that and wonder if maybe or not, uh, maybe not we're, we're kind of undervaluing him a little bit right now. Yeah, I agree. You know, at the combine where you and I had a, had a chance to uh, hang out for a little bit, also got a ch- had a chance to hang out with Sean Payton uh, during after hours at the combine, which was a thrilling experience. But he, you know, and I, I asked him specific questions, you know, relating to fantasy, and he was mm-hmm. extremely open. Um, and I, I don't want to get into like actual quotes, but I'll, I'll say this: he he really indicated that he doesn't want Alvin Kamara to be like the the bell cow back. He he doesn't think that he can really even handle it. Um, and you look back in Mark Ingram last year, he averaged thirteen point three touches per game. You know, I think that might be the floor for Latavius Murray this year. The year before that, Ingram was at like. 17 or 18 touches per game. Um, their defense is going to come back, and it should, should be really good again. Their offensive line is stellar. They, the only player that they lost Max Un- was Max Unger from an offensive line that ne- last year was number two in Football Outsiders' adjusted line yards or run-blocking metric. Uh, so they returned four or five starters, and Max, Max Unger kind of took a step back, at least according to uh, Pro Football Focus's ratings. And then they come back, and they doubled down on replacing him signed uh, Nick Easton from the Vikings to a pretty good deal, and then they drafted Eric McCoy out of Texas A&M. A lot of people thought it was going to be a first-round pick, took him in the second. So I think they're going to be in good shape still um, on the uh, at center, and then they, they bring back all their other starters. All right, so my last question, Marcus, will be an easy one, okay? okay. I, I hit you with too many hard ones. But uh, just just give me the just give me the the Chris Godwin take because I know that you know he's he's everyone's obvious breakout. But why do you think that he is going to break out, or do you think he's going to break out? I do. I do think he's going to break out. And, and again, it's sort of like what I said with OJ Howard. I mean, I think you know Bruce Arians will add a, a different element to this offense this year. Um, you know, we we know what Mike Evans can do on on one side, and I think Chris Godwin. I think we saw it in flashes last year. Um, that yeah, you know, he's got he's got great ability. He's got outstanding hands. Um, look, I, I I remember a couple of years ago, you know, watching him play in college um, and and seeing what he could do. You know, I, and the guy was making some phenomenal catches there. I think he he was a standout talent in college, and I think he's going to continue to do that in the NFL. And I, I think you know the question becomes, who is Jameis Winston really? I mean, we've seen him kind of be a big playmaker. We've also seen him make any number of boneheaded plays in his NFL career. But I think if Bruce Arians can get him locked down, this offense can really go somewhere. And, you know, uh, Chris Godwin, I think, since the end of last season, has been every fantasy analyst's favorite new wide receiver. Um, you know, I'm surprised that that he you know hasn't somehow punched his way up to the second round yet. Maybe he will by the time it's all said and done. But I, I do think this is going to be a standout year for him. Marcus, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. That was excellent. Again, you can find him on Twitter at Marcus G. That's Marcus with two A's. That's the key, at Marcus G. Thank you so much. Looking forward to coming on your show. 
NFL.com Fantasy Football Live in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Marcus. Hey, I appreciate it, guys. Look forward to talking to you again, Russ. Excellent show, as always, Evan. I'm glad we got to break the news about EstablishTheRun.com. So excited for you. Hope it's a terrific venture for you. You know we will all always be rooting for you and helping you out as far as that's concerned. You guys also should know today's Ross Tucker football podcast was pretty cool. We had Adam Amin on. Not only is he the Bears preseason guy and he calls NFL games for ESPN and he calls NBA playoffs for ESPN and he calls college football, uh, basketball, Final Four, whatever. He's got a lot of gigs. He also is the voice of the Nathan's 4th of July hot dog eating contest. So you will get a chance to hear Adam Amin tomorrow on television, but you can hear him today give you some background on not only himself and how he got all these gigs, but also on the 4th of July hot dog eating contest. It was really, really interesting. Highly encourage you to check out today's Ross Tucker football podcast if you haven't already. Plus on the Even Money podcast with Steve Fezzik, we got into a bunch of of stuff, NBA, Women's World Cup. So check out Even Money today as well. Other than that, I am stuffed, full, it's over. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.